everyone, and welcome to Legendarium Podcast Green Team uh, Patreon Edition. Um, for our more rebellious Fire Nation spin on uh, what the Red and Blue team normally provides. Uh, this is Horizon Brave, and I'm joined uh, at the top by a few of our uh, other Patreon members. Um, you two can join Patreon. Um, and I'm joined by, um, by Kip, Kieran Fan, and Little Red Book. LRB for short, which I'll be referring to her by uh, <laughs> the acronym because I'm not saying the ripple the whole time. Um, <laughs> today we are talking about Avatar season one of The Last Airbender, and um, we're going to try to try to contain this to season one as much as possible. We'll be doing later on season two and season three later on, um, so we can try to try to frame this just in the context of season one. Uh, and that will come into play later on. Um, I mean, for my part, most of all. Um, so thanks for coming, guys. Um, this is something that sort of, um, well, I think we all just started watching it, I think, at the same time. We all just said, well, I think, Kip, I think you're the one who, you, I think you're the only one who watched it previously, correct? No, I've watched Am I? No, because oh, really? I've, oh. watched, I've watched parts of it, because I, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched it, like, in a straight line. But, um like my kids watched it. So I've seen a bunch of different episodes, but probably not all in order. I've watched it like five times and I owned them on Blu-ray. Yeah. You're yeah. The, yeah. You're that's the, what you're, I thought. <laughs> I was going to say, you're the newbie horizon. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So, let's that so, okay. So literally say, literally flip what I said into the complete opposite. Then I'm the only one who watched it for the first time. And that's why he's here. here. <laughs> and the, uh, the avatar experts here. So, uh, in that case, uh, I would uh, not call myself an expert, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, compared to me, I've, this is the first time watching it. Um, I've actually watched season one um, once completely uh, now, and then just right before we recorded, I did a sort of a, a uh, spot check just to go through the episodes and make sure I'm uh, accurate in my findings. Um, so I just want to start off with like, sort of like a rundown, um, just for all of us, um, how you guys sort of found out about the series, and uh, when was I, I and I mean. LRB, I think you already sort of mentioned it, but yeah. when did you guys get introduced to Avatar, and uh, and what was your first impression of it? Just a high level view, high high level, you know, very general. Uh, what was your uh, first take on the series when you first watched it? Uh, start with you, Kip. Um, so I I don't recall exactly where I was when I first watched it. I was a kid, but I'm pretty sure I was in a hotel room in Europe. Watching it on my laptop, and I think I was watching the first episode of the second. No, not the first episode. Some middle, early episode of the of the uh, second season. I think it was the Blind Bandit, and I immediately went back and I watched the entire first season and got myself current on the show. <laughs> it pulled you in that quickly, huh? Yeah. Akiran, uh, what about you? Uh, I first heard about the show um, from a friend at high school and he said it's really good you should watch it and i was like eh, it just didn't look like my kind of thing so i skipped it it wasn't until several years later in college when all my friends in college were watching it that i finally gave it a chance this was around 2010 2011 so come to peer pressure yeah uh, uh what about you lrb um so like I said, I started it with my kids and it was just something that they were watching and I'd walk into the room and, and I'd find myself sitting down and watching an episode um, completely unexpectedly and I, I just found it charming and fun 
and it was something that I could enjoy with my kids, um, which for children's programming is just little. I mean, it's bad out there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's slim picking. That, that, that shows that kind of skirt the line between what adults and kids can enjoy. So Yeah, exactly. It's kind of hard to... It was like it, it was about the same time that they were just starting to grow out of um, Thomas the Tank Engine, which is fine. I mean, it's not terrible. Hey, Winnie the Pooh is good for all ages. That's you know, I don't know why we never watched that because I watched it when I was a kid, but it never came up. Well, I mean, that's not really. We <laughs> still have like a new episode. They're still continuing adventures. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is even silly. I mean, I don't know. It could be. I have no idea. Yes. What was that? I wore through I wore through several copies of Winnie the Pooh on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, so yeah, so so um, and I think my story sort of mirrors um, Karen's uh, involvement of it, where I I was introduced to it. Um, well, I, I wasn't introduced to it; I just found, I heard about it basically um, very early in I think in high school, um, and I, I it was I was sort of at that phase where I was like you know too cool to watch anything on Nickelodeon, so. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely just disregarded it as a complete, you know, oh yeah, it's kid, complete kid show. And it wasn't until years later when I got a job at a game store, um, and my friends were showing it to me, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, it's pretty good." So, and I, I then I sort of maybe took it a little more seriously, but I never still sat down and just gave it a chance until until recently. So, which I think a lot of people are doing because now it's like, you know, it's on Netflix, and I think it's becoming a bit more of, um, especially current, you know, isolation times. I think it. It sort of picked up steam because uh, it was just dropped on Netflix recently. Um, but all right, so that's and just and just to let everyone know, this series is and I guess this is just to you know counteract my initial feelings of season one. This series is sitting at one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes from the tomato from the you know the critic rating, which is pretty impressive. Um, that, that's that's saying a lot. And that's and it's at ninety eight percent audience rating. So uh, and that's just for season one, um, which is generally considered the weakest of the three, and it's already at one hundred percent. So that's um, that's saying a lot. Because um, I found out I found a lot of things on Rotten Tomatoes are either you know completely just trashed by mass amounts of people. So uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, okay, so let's, let's um, I'm, I'm going to actually uh, pause here, I'll play a clip, and we'll get back uh, in a few seconds. Your Majesty, these juveniles were arrested for vandalism, traveling under false pretenses, and malicious destruction of cabbages. Off with their heads! One for each head of cabbage! Silence! Only the king can pass down judgment. What is your judgment, sire? So let's dig into season one. Um, uh, so overall, what did you guys think about this uh, season? And and I, I guess again, let's probably try to try to separate it as much as possible from the further the next two seasons. Because it's sort of it's easy to put them together and then say like you know the whole series was so great, but just I guess trying to remove that future knowledge, I guess, which is maybe a bit hard to do. Um, let's see if we just try to judge just season one itself. Um, so. Um, starting with myself personally, like I, I, I enjoyed it, and I knew that people kept saying that it was going to get better in season two and three. Those are like the highlights. So 
or like the high point rather. So I knew that going in. Um, and when I, so when I was watching it, the series, the season to me came off as, um, as the pieces were all there for something to be, you know, very, you know, expanded upon greatly. I just felt that it was sort of undercutting itself with the constant humor that was, you know, and this is obviously aimed at kids. So that's definitely a, uh, a um, it can't be a criticism because it, that's the show was in, is on Nickelodeon. So it's, it's, it's not like trying to hide it. That it is a kid show, but I just felt like some of the humor was, it was always a bit, going a bit too far and it sort of undercut a lot of the stories and a few, a few of the episodes where it's like, okay, I'm getting these characters. They're, you know, they're, struggling, they're learning a lot, but then they, they always have this sort of humor that sort of pervades it and sort of undercuts um, uh, some of the, the scenes and the emotional you know, impact that the show could have had. Um, but just going around again, just going around, what, so what did you guys think of season one, just in general? So one of the things that I really noticed this time around, whereas the other two seasons have overarching stories, this is much more episodic. Um, right. There is definitely a driving force, but it's each episode is very discreet in its story um, until you get towards the end. Um, I, as far as the humor goes, um, there's it, it's a little bit overdone in in um, episode or in season one, but um, I just find um, Sokka, that's his name, right? Yeah. I mean, his humor is. <laughs> It's so, it's like dad humor, only a 15-year-old boy, <laughs> and I just love him so much. I think he's hilarious. Um, and it probably does undercut the story a little bit um, in this season. But I think, I mean, like I said, I was watching it with my kids. I was like, this is a perfect thing. Like, you can enjoy it with a variety of ages and give it a little grace because of the audience. It's not, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. I mean, full spoilers for the series. Uh, so, not for the series, just for season one. Just for season one finale, full spoilers. Um, Sokka's girlfriend turns into the moon. She oh, dies. Yeah, that's right. She straight up that. dies. Oh, wow. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> that was That was dark. <laughs> You got to admire. Like, yeah. And and a lo- a lot of the water tribe looked like they were dying. <laughs> well, it really looks like they're dying though. Uh, and, but a lot of the water tribe is also those little kids who there's a lot of like bathroom pee humor going on, you know, the like like all, all There like, is. Uh, there and, there so absolutely again, like, is. Yeah, so like on one hand you have, you know, this you know this really great story emotionally impactful then you have a, a bunch of g- a gaggle of little boys say you know i have to pee you know it's like uh, you know it's just like it's like i want to like really you know sink my teeth into this you know take it seriously and then you have the same on the other hand you know the, the humor of like you know more like bathroom style humor i think that i think that's real life while while, ele- while elements of it were maybe exaggerated a little bit for the uh young audience I do think that it was it was a conscious, intentional, uh, creative decision to actually have humor in these life and death situations, and specifically to have Aang have a very healthy sense of humor, as given to him by Monk Yatso in his early training. 
right. specifically from his even earlier uh, youth compared to everyone else. Everyone okay. else in the world grew up essentially in wartime and grew up in a monastery. Right. And he and that's one of the things I really like because um, he grows up so much because when he comes out, he doesn't realize there's a war going on and the world is falling apart. He's like the 12 year old who ran off from his responsibilities still or 10. I don't remember how old he is. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, he ran away from a war that might be starting as opposed to having grown up in it. Yeah. And that's so I think a... his humor is very appropriate. I'm sorry, Heron. Uh, that's always actually what attracted me to Aang is uh, yeah. his ability to still be uh, a little kid and still be a very playful little kid, yet still have to live with all of the guilt and uh, mm -hmm. the problems that like he could have prevented. I mean, there's genocide. <laughs> so Every time I watch the series, I'm reminded how good a monk Aang actually is and how well he actually embodies the ideals and values that the monastery tried to teach him, even though he was only 10 years old when he left. Right. I have a question, though. So we're talking about specifically season one, right? Yeah. Um, yep. When I'm rewatching season one, uh, and I think it's hard for me to remember the first time I watched it as well, but uh, when I first started it, I didn't you know, love it. I thought it was good. But uh, when I rewatch it, uh, episode three, no, maybe it's episode four. I think episode four, the Southern Air Temple. Air Temple. Uh, that's Aang. three. Yeah. Okay. When uh, Aang finds out that uh, oh, geez, you know all right. those people are dead, and then he gets incredibly emotional, and it's terrible. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm 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 always moved to tears at that scene, but the first time oh, I don't yeah. really remember. So I'm wondering if you know I've since I've watched the show so many times, and I love Aang so much that uh, I'm more emotionally invested in that uh, episode, or maybe just the first time I wasn't as much because I didn't know him so well. No, I think the first time I absolutely had trouble um, understanding why he went into quite such a large rage, but um, it didn't take very long. Like I felt like I understood it more when they went to the other air temples and like I was able to remember that first moment and go back and see it in a better light, even without rewatching the episode. So it, it definitely stuck in my mind. What did you think, Horizon? This was your first time. So this episode was um, it, it was it was first of all. Let me, let me backtrack and, and get back to what you guys saying before before I touch on this about the character of Aang. Um, I, I actually agree. I actually think that Aang Aang's humor and his lightheartedness um is to me the counterbalance between Sokka's humor and you know wackiness because uh, like Aang's humor is like Aang's personality is sort of like a snapshot of when he was basically frozen you know um and so it's like <laughs> it's like taking someone out of time and, well no literally is taking someone out of time and putting them into you know a future you know um uh uh, you know, war basically, where your whole yeah, life yeah. turned upside down. So that I, that, that like innocence and um, playfulness he he has fits perfectly, and I think they did a good job in balancing that because he's still this very naive kid who now has to instantly, you know, uh, upon waking, deal with something that his whole life is now literally completely wiped out, and the fact that you know everyone he knows 
well, not everyone. We see later some of his people he knew are still alive, but most of the people he knows are no, no, are gone. The world's completely upside down for him. As opposed to Saka, who who's like who's just a, you know a kid who just you know he, he he acts like he's still like ten, eight or ten. But anyway, so I do love, I really like the character of Annie and Halle. They they brought that uh, personality you know and his that side to him uh, to life, and he definitely has a growth between not only this season but the entire series. Um, and, and yeah, and, and the southern, the southern, and the southern air temple episode um, was really interesting. In the fact that you know, he when he comes, um, when he basically finds you know his temple, uh, it is you now. Correct me wrong. This is the episode where he comes back and basically there's so many things that have changed in the temple and everything. No, the southern air temple is where it's empty, and he finds Monk Yatso's bones. Oh, okay, okay, right, 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 okay, okay. Right. Um, I'm thinking of the northern air temple. Northern, northern air, air temple is yeah, later yeah, on yeah, in the yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the northern is the one I actually, actually liked. Actually, I actually responded to that one. I think more actually because I, 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 that idea of him coming, uh, coming back, you know, to to a place that's where he grew up at, I believe, or he where he was trained at, right? Yeah. In Northern Air Temple. Yeah, and he's, he's he sees it completely, you know, change around and you know he visited he stuff. visited the Northern Air Temple. Yeah. He a grew lot. up in the southern. He grew up in the southern. Gotcha. And he was um, kind of one of the things that really struck me about that the the southern air temple one is he was ostracized because he was the avatar and they're like it's not fair that you're better at a at all these games and you can't play with us and right and right yeah. it wasn't just emotion. the responsibility it was also the isolation right and the the I, i'm sorry i'm bad with names guys the monk that was kind of his mentor Gyatso. was the only person who really took an interest in his emotional health and not just his training like all the other monks and all the other like you should be training to be uh, the avatar and he had this one person in his life who really cared about developing a developing him as a person and not as a symbol and to f- that scene where he finds the bones i mean i yeah i mean i just choked up so much and i yeah Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah no, it no, was no. really touching. Yeah, and then he gets Momo. Woo! <laughs> and then he gets Momo. Well, by the way, I think Momo goes down. I, I like Appa and everything, but I I, I, love, I love the design of Momo. Like, I don't know why. I just love. It. I just like that mean <laughs> Momo thing. You know, like kind of pigs. Appa is so damn big. Like it's hard to like. It's hard to have him as like a, a total bro to go around. You know, like but Momo's so like. You know, he's he's like your size. He, he you like put him in your bag and like carry him around. I, I, I would totally just you know walk around with Momo on my back or something. You might be like Pikachu. I was gonna say that's one of the things that's really nice about the series. It's geared towards kids and it deals with really um, terrible things, but at the same time, then you have Momo. <laughs> you have Appa, you know, which yeah. is a really nice balance that keeps things in perspective for kids. It does. I do think, um, and oh, going sorry. back a little, do, do you mind if I go back a little? Oh, yeah. No, go for it. Um, talking about Sokka's particular brand of humor, I think that... Uh, <laughs> I love him so one, much. One, one of the reasons that it does feel a little discordant is because I think Sokka breaks the fourth wall the most with his humor. Uh, out of all of the characters. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. For everything has to go wrong in just the perfect way that it's clear that it's a TV plot. Like, <laughs> I still love him. 
the the things that happen to Sokka would happen one out of a million times in real life, oftentimes. And sure, it makes for some great comedy, but uh, you're aware that you're watching a TV show and a comedic relief character. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing. And like, like he does have his he does have his moments, and, and you know, um, especially with the um, uh, uh, the episode with uh, with the Warriors of Kyoshi. Um, yeah, uh, which is the fourth episode, which is some pretty fast character growth. Well, well yeah, but the, the, the thing is, and this, this is what I love, and I I, I don't like at the same time. Where like you you get these moments um, of character growth, you know, yeah, like with Kyoshi, a great moment for for Sokka. You know, for because yeah, for Sokka, and and you know he learns a lesson, but then it doesn't feel. It feels like the writers write something, and this is this again. I know this is corrected later on in the season. So again, I'm trying to I'm trying to you yeah. know focus my criticism on just on season one. So, but um, but they'll have like a moment where the character learns something, and you know, oh, that, you know, that was great. It's very thoughtful. You know, he really grew. But the next episode is like it's like it's completely wiped away in this episodic little bubble, and then the next episode, it doesn't seem like. That's the same character at like the beginning of the one episode. It doesn't seem yeah. like where you picked up from the lap from the previous episode. It doesn't so, seem like the episodes happened necessarily in order. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um. And, and this is something that and, and just to uh, this isn't going to mean much to you guys, but um, anyone listening, this 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 uh, season and a lot of these episodes were um directed by and I found out about this when I was I was watching. Were directed by um, the same guy who did the Star Wars Rebels TV show, and if you put season one of Rebels next to season one of Avatar, they are like a spitting image of each other. And how it starts out very child, as a childlike, but it's more of a kid show. Everything is very episodic. It's very you know not creature of the week, but you know story of the week where it's wrapped up. It is not a ton of carryover um, necessarily. But then once season two and three hit, then you pick up in the, these epic, longer format stories and character decisions carry over. I, I just found that, you know, this guy clearly has a um, a pattern of how he writes things. I found that very interesting. Um, but, know, I, yeah, I, just, I'd yeah. say something almost similar about Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, actually, yes, <laughs> right, yeah. Except Deep Space Nine was like seven seasons, so it it, it, it took a it took even a bit longer to get there at the end. But uh, where the episodes were then carrying over, you know, the longer arcs. Um, but yeah, so I, I felt like the, like the Warriors of Kyoshi was a great episode, a great learning experience. But it just didn't it didn't seem like it lasted, or it didn't feel like it meant anything in the long term until you get to you know later on uh, with these characters. Um, um can I go, so can I go back. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, did you just call Sokka a comic relief character? Because I don't at, think that's at fair. The start, he, he is. is. He is at a very. Start, I, to me, he he's is. A very much of a comic relief character. Out of all the absolutely three is. Of them. So, do you not think he is? Oh, he's the straight not. man. Yeah. He's the straight man. Oh okay. uh, no, no, he he absolutely is a straight man. But I think just to call someone a comic relief character uh, takes away. I don't think that calling someone a comic relief character devalues someone. I agree. I'm going to have to say it's like actors that are comedic actors that want to play, play drama so that they can be serious. And it's like, you're, that's not. Laughing. I'm sorry. The, the, the amount of times that Sokka's boomerang hits him in his own head <laughs> is too high 
to not call him a comic relief character in at least some capacity. Yeah, the, uh, the, the amount of like body humor and sort of pratfall, you know, they wrote for him is a bit much. Like, like they, they give him the, you know, I mean, what else would you call his character? I, I mean, he's, that- I want to say at least 60% of his his lines are are written for a comic, you know, punchline or some sort of, you know, physical body humor. Maybe I'm just taking umbrage with the the comic relief part because I I kind of see that as a uh, a pejorative. No, I I think I think it often is, but I'm not using it that way, and I don't think it always has to be. And so okay. I would bring up the episode where he gets beat up by the girls at the, and then he goes and which is episode four, okay, uh, right, Kyoshi yes. Warriors. Yep. Yeah, and he he they make him dress up like them and all this kind of stuff and he's complaining about it but there's this scene where he really humbly presents himself yeah and says yeah. look i want to learn and i think that that's a really beautiful moment because he it shows that he's um he's growing and he's realizing that you know i might not be and he's he, he was supposed to be in charge of his village you know his dad kind of left him in charge we were the man of the house type of thing and he was a little teenage kid yeah yeah and he's moving past that. And I actually think that that shows him to be a good character, even though he's klutzy and says inappropriate things. <laughs> and- yep. <laughs> okay. yeah, that, moment, that moment that you mentioned uh, uh, is, is probably my, one of my favorites. Because, because it's, it's, again, it's, you can tell that they could have easily just written it completely for humor where, you know, he would have, you know, stumbled in there and said, you know, I'm sorry, and then bumbled and knocked over a vase or something. But right. the fact that, you know, he, he had that very humbling moment of, you know, bowing down, you know, before them, I thought it was really, really, really cool. Uh, I thought and it was very well done. And he does learn from them. He doesn't, you know, it's not just yeah. he gets beat up. He actually learns a lot. Yeah. Oh, and then, uh, and then when they invade the Fire Nation temple, so that Aang can get his message right. from Roku, uh, Sokka is the one who figures out how to trick the Fire Monks into the Fire Sages. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, into opening the door for them. Also, in the Fortune Teller, he's the one telling everybody to stop being so stupid. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I alternately so- love and hate the Fortune Teller. Yeah, I agree. It's like my second least favorite episode, but I do worship Sokka in that episode. So we haven't talked about And he's the fastest to figure out Jet. Oh, yeah. That's true, isn't he? I hate that that character, by the way. I was so glad. The one time I was actually cheering Sokka, oh, my God, thankfully. Jet had the problem with the kind of like the cliche story of, you know, some random outsider being so cool and badass and edgy. And, you you know, it just rubbed me the wrong way where I want him to get his ass kicked by the end of it. Well, it's written like that, right? Yeah, no, it is. And I was like, so that was my least favorite episode by... A million. Oh, really? Jed is written as an emotional abuser. He is, and yeah. and um, so Katir. That first of all, I don't think that episode. It, do, it just feels like it doesn't belong. Um, but Katira and her. It felt like it belonged later. <laughs> I don't know. I just was like, what does this have to do with anything? But her reaction and his brotherly protection, um, was real because I've been a fifteen-year-old girl. And 
you fall for some stupid shit. I mean, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when I'll, you're that I'll, age. You have to censor yourself. <laughs> I, I try. I Sorry. And I almost spoiled too earlier. Um, yeah, you just. So that part felt real. But I was like, why is this here? It's not moving the story along. It's also, just... he was literally sweeping her off of her feet into like a treehouse. I know. And that's, and that's that's pretty romantic. I would have totally fallen for it. I love that so. episode. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really beautiful, and I think the action's really well uh, shown. I think it yeah. shows Sokka doing you know his Sokka stuff, and yep. most of all, I think it shows the realities of war in a way that kids can understand. Because okay. you meet these guys and they're fighting against you know the baddies, right? But they're not the it's good guys. Child <laughs> extremist soldiers. That's what they are. Okay, and I'll go like, back and rewatch it. <laughs> I like that. I like that Avatar didn't shy away from showing us extremist child soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's Robin Hood on steroids. <laughs> like that was I was thinking the whole time. <laughs> he even lives in the forest and he's an archer and. Yep. No, I. I mean. There's well, definitely elements of that. Well, uh, yeah, but I don't think he actually like did. Any, I mean, didn't he remind, get remind me? I don't think he actually did anything um, to aid anyone else, right? To like, I mean, no, because no one in Avatar kills anybody. No. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like people get people get killed like off screen. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah, I guess, but pretty I mean, much they, no one, almost no that. one ever dies. Zhao kind of dies in the season finale. Zhao kind of dies, sure. (laughs) So let's go go around. While we're talking about characters, so who's everyone's from the beginning of the season one to the end of season one, obviously? Um, Iroh and Iroh. uh, yeah, popularly. Um, but so everyone's favorite characters um, around the room, I guess. I think, yeah, I think that's probably going to be the overall opinion. But just to hear everyone say it, um, I think I was disqualified from my list. Because I'm going to list him for everything if I don't disqualify him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's, let's remove Iroh and and uh, and Zuko from the list. Actually, no. In all seriousness, let, let's, no, let's, we can keep Zuko. I don't care about him. <laughs> well, let, let's remove let's remove those two as like you know the honorary mentions that we know everyone loves them but so besides so besides era who is everyone's favorite character here uh, mine would definitely have to be katara uh at the beginning it was ang uh katara was pretty i i felt like she was whiny at the beginning and i didn't really understand her but Definitely halfway through to most of the way through for the first season, uh, especially by the time of the episode The Waterbending Master near the end, uh, Katara was easily my favorite character. Of course, excepting Iroh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I said we know, we know. Uh, definitely there's basically the an episode level. where Katara fights the patriarchy. <laughs> 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 Uh, what about you here? Uh, at the beginning, probably Aang. By the end, definitely Sokka, for all my previously stated reasons. Wow, so really? Sokka is really annoying in the first couple episodes for obvious reasons, and Aang's just kind of a goofy kid. But like, I wasn't the biggest into 
the first two episodes. I think it really grows from season from episode three. But by the end, you know, you learn about Sokka from I don't like the episode, but you learn about him from Fortune Teller. Uh, you learn what he goes through uh, in the season finale, what he loses. Uh, and I think he's had a lot of character growth from the first episode. And what about you, LRB? Uh, It's definitely Sokka. Like, all through. Like, I don't... You guys, uh, I can't... I can't be the I'm same sorry, character. I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> he just... I feel, I think, par- partly because I'm an older sibling. Because he's he's older than... I'm pretty sure, isn't he? Actually, I'm not sure about their birth order. I just uh, He relate, is older. Yeah, yep. I, I relate to the way he relates to the world around him which maybe says bad things about me. I'm not sure, <laughs> but I just love him so much. He's all through my 100% favorite character. I like Aang and I like Katara and I like Momo. Momo's a pretty high character up there, but hmm. yeah. Interesting. Uh, I am a little bit surprised that we didn't get someone who said uh, my favorite character is Momo. <laughs> well, I, I almost that did. happens occasionally. <laughs> I, 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 I really like Momo, so. <laughs> um, and um, like I said, I, 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 I uh, in trying to keep this just on season one, I don't like Sokka at all. But by the time season three comes, where you see his relationship with his father, when his father does come back again, future spoilers. When, when he does meet with his father, you know that really hit me hard. Um, you know, personal relationship with my father, so. Um, I'll give him that pass up front only because I have future knowledge. But besides that, yeah, no, it's not as low. He's definitely low tier. Um, well, uh, I can't so, help that you're wrong, Horizon. Okay, yeah, we all can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and I just want to get into the the. Wait, the, who is yours the, then for the first? Season? Yeah, yeah, you haven't answered yet. What? Who Your was favorite? Yours the- oh, oh, my favorite character. Um, I guess if I had to pick one. Uh, it would have to, it would have to be Zuko, um, with, with, with Katar following close behind, but he's, I mean, like, and I, I didn't see, it's interesting that you said she was whiny, because uh, I didn't really come, I didn't really find her whiny or anything, I felt her more of just sort of, um, uh, impassive, I guess, and it just kind of, um, more of like this, the, you know, collar to Sokka's wild craziness, so, uh, but, Overall, I, th- I think Zuko is definitely my favorite. I think his it's cliche to say, you know, but I think he's I think he's he has the most depth. I think of all the characters uh, in the in the lineup. Um, and again, notwithstanding Iroh, you know, without doubt the favorite. Yeah, yeah, um, he's the best. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> throughout all seasons. <laughs> um, and I also want to talk about now the art style and design of the show. Uh, and this is something he's uh, um, I, as much as I love story of and i think we can talk about that you know a bit later as well the actual like, lore and story behind it um i just want to touch briefly upon the actual art and you know concept art and design of the of the season series um i love the way this series looks um and i think it's I think even now it still holds up like i, I was you know i'm watching it and it, it might look a little grainy i guess but the animation um and you can tell where they they had to, like sort of like skimp on some of the animation but in the background it sort of comes off as like you know a bit kind of bland but overall the animation is gorgeous um and and for as like a first season you know debut that's so impressive um so and i just love the design of like the creatures are everything is sort of all the creatures in the show are you can tell they're based on earth 
animals, but they're sort of designed in a fantastical, you know, Asian way. Like they have like the those those bird. I, I don't know what they're called. I don't, I don't know if they ever gave them a name, but they have like a lot of the uh, characters in the military riding around on like these avian bird chicken creatures, and they, yeah, they, they look like they look bird. like giant ostriches. Kind yeah. Of. yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like giant ostriches. Yeah, and they have like the armor on it. It, it looks like it, it looks like something from like Final Fantasy. And it looks really cool. Um, and of course, the design of um, of um, Appa is something straight out of like Studio Ghibli. Like it looks so, you know, really, really cool looking. So I just wanted to, go, I just wanted to, you know, do you guys have the same, you know, um, I guess appreciation of the, of the artwork? Is there anything that sort of, you know, you don't like about any of the design choices they made? Um, I guess in, in terms of like the aesthetic, the the feel, the the world itself. Um, One thing. Uh, one thing I think is worth bringing up is that the four bending styles are adapted from real life martial arts techniques, and yeah. they stay very faithful to having each of them be very separate and distinct. Yep. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, yeah. I, I I love the fact that, and this uh, I, I, I is not in this season, but later on you'll see is like the the the. Uh, I think it was like when You're the one who made the rule about this. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, but it's, it's, it's the one example that comes to mind right now. But yes, yes, uh, uh, the, 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 the style uh, of the, the bending is so fluid and it looks so like you can see someone doing this in real life, you know, minus the flames and water coming out of them. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, uh, the, the way that's animated is just gorgeous. Yeah, it's, uh, their feelings seem to have a real weight to them. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I watch Avatar: The Last Airbender, I always notice how uh, how much movement they have in it compared to a lot of older cartoons. Hmm. Um, people are always moving. I mean, they they obviously have you know static backgrounds and that kind of thing. But um, season one is probably the weakest, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and they're still working out sometimes in the art style because on some of the scenes, if you look at their eyes, it just looks weird. <laughs> but yeah. the fight scenes are always great. And uh, often when they change things, like I, I hate the episode, but you know the Great Divide. Yeah. In that episode, mm. uh, they Ang tells two two stories, and I oh, think the yeah. art style in those stories are absolutely gorgeous, and I love watching that part. That's very true. And it's very fun how it's like isn't each story is told with a different art style? And yeah, it's just, I think it was really creative. Yeah, and you don't see that a lot in kids. Uh, no, and that's just I remember being taken aback because this was my probably my third time I've seen the episode. And I was just like, oh, I forgot about this part. That's also an episode I kind of hate, too. And the art, the art style also changes in the spirit world, which I love. Oh, that's true, yeah. So speaking of movement, like my favorite episode is the one where they go visit the Earth King. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're are riding... You talking about, uh, are you talking about Obashi Bumi? or... Uh, hmm? Bossing Say. Bossing Say season two. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. The other one. King Boomy? Yeah, be careful because yeah. uh, the Earth King is uh, in Bossing Say and uh, Boomy is of Omashu. Oh, I thought he was a king. Oh, oh, he, he, he's the king of Omashu. Okay. He's so, just not like, the Earth King. Uh, okay. So, sorry. I have not seen all the episodes in order. <laughs> Ever. Um, <laughs> I was really sad Toph didn't show up because she's my favorite. Red, uh, you are so chaotic. I can't. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. You're all over the place, all right? You can't deal with this. <laughs> okay, so, so just cut out my entire. My point is, is that the speaking of movement, the parts where they're sliding down the um, the shoots, and that the way that that's done, I just love that part so much. My cabbages. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that poor guy. And then he shows up in another town later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, okay, okay. You know what? Great segue there. You see, like that type of humor. Like I, I guess that's catered. You know, not to just you know more of like a, a kid type humor. But I love the fact that you know it's something subtle but still you know really funny. They brought it back, and it's actually one of my favorite episodes actually. Um, the King of Umashu. and I, I, I love that it has like the trials at the end, basically for Aang to go through, and he has like, he has like sort of like learning, you know, to go through each of these, uh, each of these trials, and at the end, you know, he's basically reunited with his old friend, basically. I thought that was mm-hmm. a great idea, and again, not like gut punching emotional, but like okay, yeah, you know, that's pretty, it's pretty, you know, pretty somber to think about, honestly. Um, but yeah, that was really. It's also so joyful because they like have this moment where, you know, they go do this thing they did when they were kids. Yeah, 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 right. right. Also, representation for 106 year old buff men. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I wish, man. I, I gotta stay in this single thing. Or however old Boomy is, but he's <laughs> real old. He's over 100 Boomy. for sure. Yeah. He's going to be taking Ang to task, basically. So. <laughs> Um, experience over youth. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, so, so, what's something that you guys would um have if you could have one thing that you would want to see done differently for season one? And this, I guess, you can you can frame this in the context that you know what happens in season two and three. What would you have liked to see um them include or do differently in season one? Um, okay. that may have contributed better to season two and three overall, or maybe some take something out or add something to it. Um, uh, well, I would have cut the Great Divide. Yes. Okay, yeah, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think season one, I, lo- I, I like season one a lot, but I think uh, it lacks a sense of urgency. So yeah. I, I would cut out a lot of the meandering plots like the Great Divide and uh, Fortune, Fortune Teller. Teller. <laughs> <laughs> My two least favorite episodes. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I like the Northern Era Temple. I think it's a great episode, but it still kind of feels like, well, why are we taking so long to get to the North Pole? Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. Bothered me. For sure. I even feel a little weird about uh, the storm. Like I like the I like the episode. Oh, I like that episode. But, <laughs> but I don't see, I don't see why Sokka would randomly become a fisherman. Like just for an episode. <laughs> they needed money. Yeah, they needed money, but they they seem fine stealing a whole bunch of other times. <laughs> <laughs> that episode, though, wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that episode that we got a pretty good backstory on on oh, yeah great backstory yeah, into sorry, into that, zuko and ang yeah so i think that episode is actually kind of vital like i think i, yeah. I mean i, I guess you could it's, have a had great, it's a great episode but Sokka, it shouldn't have been Sokka is becoming a fisherman and went out into a storm it should have well, been they needed to go somewhere in a boat to get to where they needed to go 
Right, right. And yeah. Why would they need to have a boat? Because they have Appa. Like Appa's sick or something? Appa, Appa's sick or something. <laughs> yeah, they, they could have uh, rewritten. <laughs> There's sort of plenty of that times episode. that Appa didn't feel like flying. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like that part where Sokka's sitting on Appa and he's trying to get him to fly and he's saying all these different words. <laughs> yeah. So silly. Comic oh. relief. Well, and that's why yeah. I say like Sokka yep. the best, just because I identify with that. Oh no, so- Sokka is one of the best characters in this show. The problem is there's so many amazing characters in this show that there's a lot of people who are close, and it's really which one resonates the most with you. Right, and I'm the person yeah. sitting on the on the on Team Sokka. <laughs> Well, no, I'm the person sitting on the air buffalo who can't say the word. Oh. As, as I said, I am very chaotic. <laughs> it's just like. Do you so. think? And do you think that this show suffers a bit much from because you 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 do notice there's a difference between how shows are made now currently. Like, for example, in Netflix, there's a uh, show, um, an animated show, Castlevania. That has literally four episodes per season. Um, they're 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 double the length of Avatar. Fair. But do you think that this show suffers from the older method of storytelling where a full season network TV had to be, you know, um, some 20, how many, how many episodes is in, is in season one? It has to be. It has season to be, one, uh, 20. Yeah. Do you think that was sort of, if they could have squeezed that into maybe, let's say, 13 to 14 episodes, um, do you think that would have done a, that would have been a boon to the show? Because I feel like. This I show, do. as much as I enjoyed it, and and technically each episode, even uh, maybe not to five, but most of the episodes do offer at least something to contribute to the story. Rather, it's like backstory or history or lore from the world itself. But I for feel today. like if this show was tightened up, or if or if it was made in for today's modern Netflix style, you know, platform, that means that this show is no way there's going to be twenty episodes per per season. This would have probably been like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Um, I think I that would have actually helped it. I disagree. Uh, I've, I've complained about a few of the episodes, uh, mostly because of their plots or some of the decisions, uh, namely uh, The Great Divide. But uh, I mostly don't like The Great Divide because, first of all, it doesn't add anything. And second of all, I think it's out of character for Aang. But uh, yeah, one thing I do think that is good in The Great Divide is the, uh, the quarreling between Katara and uh, Sokka. And it felt really true to the characters. Um, and I think this show, Kip said earlier, this show is really popular because the characters are so good. And I think if you cut out even the fortune teller, uh, which is I don't really care for, uh, you I lose cut it out. a lot. You still <laughs> would lose a lot of character. And I watch the show for the character. Yeah, definitely. But uh, so what I'm saying is, is they. they... Keep, they keep the character focused, you know, stories and dialogue and everything. But if they were to remove a lot of the the, the sort of scenes and, and and things that don't really contribute to the story itself, tighten it up, make sure it's more streamlined, and it, it, it would lend itself to that sense of urgency that you're talking about, where it, it, because it does meander a lot, it it could tighten it up to be if you condense everything from this the stories and and you know humor that you know sort of detracts from the actual main story and that sense of something's big is happening we have to get to it now and there's this um great greater sense of momentum building rather than having 24 episodes you know yeah. that sort of 
meander back and forth a bit between rather something really important is happening and then it slows down to oh yeah let's just take our time and you know if i can so good i think i think that what you're saying is that if uh nickelodeon first said okay we need 20 episodes and this is roughly the shape of what the like season is going to look like and then they went and they subcontracted out those 20 episodes to different to different writers, different artists. And some of them, they were like, we don't care if yours is relevant to the plot. We just need it to fill space. Yep. Um, and I think that rather than doing uh, starting the series from the perspective of, okay, we need to tell these stories, how many episodes do we need to do it in? I think... I think the former approach really does lend itself to more spottiness and weaker episodes in general than uh, a more modern Netflix or even Game of Thrones uh, style approach where they're like, okay, we want to tell this. Uh, Game of Thrones even also had the freedom to change the amount of time that each episode was pretty dramatically. Uh, And I think that with given those freedoms, I think Avatar maybe would would have been better than it was already. Yep, yep, I agree. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah, and and I th- and I think that uh, and, then, and then again, uh, well, I bring this up because I'm not I'm not faulting Avatar for that. That's how network, especially you can't blame them. But if they come if they come to you know the, the studio with a you know idea like this, they're not going to have free reign, especially on yep. new concepts. Yeah, no. Nickelodeon says we want twenty episodes. We want twenty episodes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they don't have that. They don't have that clout. I think later on in season three, I think by the time you know, you can tell they wrote it for a a, a more structured um, pattern. I think by the time they got season three, but yeah, but right up front, yeah, they're not gonna. They don't have that freedom to say, you know, slap. There's a script down the table and say, here, deal with it. Twelve episodes. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. Season so, three. Season three was twenty one. They got an extra in. Oh great! <laughs> <laughs> um, so but it's still a lot tighter and a lot better told. Yeah, it's still yeah, a lot yeah, tighter. Yeah, yeah. Um, it felt more with purpose. I think. I, uh, I mean, it has a four-episode finale. Yeah. Oh, so good. I can't wait to get stuff. So the last thing I want to talk about was just the 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 lore and setting of the story itself. Um, I think this is probably probably Avatar's greatest um boon. Basically, is I think the 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 acting is good um i think the voice acting can be a bit i'll say this the voice acting in this show is good but sometimes i notice that i guess hearing like seeing everything in this very like asian um centric style but then having like these very like white you know um american or you know accents to people is a bit it comes off as a bit weird um, for some of them, but then you have an era who does sound like more like an Asian, um, you know, centric person. It's kind of way flip flop back and forth is a bit odd. But um, so the voice acting is good. But I think the, the biggest strength I think the show has is just the, the story and the lore behind it. Um, so I, I just wanted to hear you, so your guys' opinions on on what sort of did the story itself draw you in? Was it was it something that you you know you felt the need to? sort of go in and find out more and more as you watch because uh, for myself personally when i was watching this i, I was um I-, I found i found myself going on the wiki page actually and like looking up characters and looking the background like the history and everything even because i they, they sort of have a way of feeding it to you kind of drip style where they'll, they'll give you a bit of the story and history and then they'll give you a little bit more but i found it so in, you know intriguing 
and I kind of went ahead and sort of you know read up on the lore and the history of the of the nations and everything, um, uh, even as I was watching. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I think the world building or the world itself is one of the greatest uh, strengths the show has, and that's a big reason why I watch it. Uh, Any show that can sustain a big wiki. Yeah, yeah. Any kids, any kids on Nickelodeon that needs a wiki to, to explain what's going on. I, I'm, a sorry, awesome I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm sorry. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh no! I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're such a jerk, Kip. <laughs> oh look, I come from an Italian family. If I don't interject myself into the conversation, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here I'm sorry. Aaron? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember now. And uh, it's nice to see see an American show that's uh, based on like uh, uh, Asian mythology or even anything uh, Eastern Asian because I thought that was really cool and not seen a lot, especially in America. Yeah, we, we don't have a, a big um, we don't have a lot of shows that are that aren't done for like like they don't have a lot of like Asian characters that aren't. It's like the, the focus on the focus of them is being Asian. Like it's just this just takes place on an, in an Asian themed show. If that makes any sense, like like the theme, like the idea of it isn't. Yeah, it's from Asia. It's just you know it feels like it's very very natural. Like the setting is you know Asian aesthetic. Yeah, um, it's very Pan Asian too. Yeah, I was. Yes, I it is very Pan Asian. I one hundred percent when I first saw the show thought it was made in Japan. Oh. <laughs> Because, a lot of people make that mistake. Yeah, and I found out later it wasn't, but I was like, oh, this is... So, um, going back to the voice acting part. So the accent thing doesn't pull me out of it, and the reason why is because the Fire Nation has that more Asianic-sounding accent, whereas our characters sound like... A, well, our characters? The characters that we're supposed to identify with sound like American. So I yeah, it's, a, it's very interesting that the bad guys are, are, are actually traditionally well, Asian, but everyone else is like, the good guys like the white. I mean, white specifically the bad guys are Japanese. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, it has a very World War II flavor to it. <laughs> I never I noticed not, that. That's, that's a very, <laughs> I did not think of that. Uh, Dante really? Basco's uh, uh, heritage is uh, Filipino, though. But uh, yeah, uh, Iroh is definitely Japanese-American, and they, a few other of the Fire Nation actors were. I think uh, George Takei was also an actor in the Fire he Nation. He was. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. What, what character was he? Just a uh, random. He wasn't the big character. Oh, wow. That's funny. He, he was in one episode. <laughs> yeah, he was in like one episode. But he was oh, fun. Oh. <laughs> uh, it would have been great if he was there's, like this. Um, there's a bunch of, of really good actors, uh, voice actors that have been in Avatar that I'm like, wait, is that is that so and so, and I'm I look it up, and I'm like, yeah, oh my god. There oh, were quite a few voices that. where I I did recognize. I, I I'm not great with with VO, um, uh, you know, the people in the VO industry. Um, so I I don't know them by name, but there are there were a few characters in here that I did feel like, oh man, it sounds so familiar. So do you guys think I'm uh, wrong that it has a World War II vibe? Because that's what I've always watched it as. No, it definitely does. Yeah. I mean, I think it's unavoidable. I, I think it was on purpose. Because, um, I mean, if you guys know your history, if, especially Japanese history, if, it, it's if you're exactly going to purpose. have 
if you're going to have unintentional allegories to World War II, you might as well just make them intentional. It, it works better that way. And have magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. well uh, Kip, you brought the point of, of it being sort of relatable to Deep Space Nine, and that is that at least the beginning of it was a uh, uh, very allegorical to um, to uh, you know the, the Jewish Nazi. Uh, uh, yeah. camp. Uh, uh, that that was that was allegorical to a post World War II. True, true, true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just quite fun. Um, okay, so just to wrap things up here, I think we're gonna um hit an hour up here, but just so to go around the room, um, if you guys could be a uh, a binder of what of any of the elements, what would you be? Air. I want to fly. Oh, I'm so torn. I would say air, but I'm going to say water because I would like to heal. Oh, that's so sweet, Kat. <laughs> Some, it sounds uh, like LRB. <laughs> <laughs> you always play the healer. Uh, yeah, I'm also a healer on our Habatica, aren't I? Um, so I would like to be a healer, but I actually really want to fly. <laughs> that's what I want to do. To be honest, the, the 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 water they have like the biggest like side benefit with the healing thing. Like everyone else doesn't like they don't. Well, don't the, there there are side benefits to the other things, kind of. We we can't get into them yet because they don't happen in these seasons. But there are other side benefits, or and not every waterbender is a healer. Yeah, it's no, true. That's true. true. Yeah, and yeah. that's like one of the things that come up in the uh, episodes in the North Pole is that she's like, "Why do I have to be a healer? I want to fight." Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, all right, guys. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me to discuss season one of Avatar. I think it was a really great discussion, actually. <laughs> um, I, I really want to get into season two and three, where the show kind of, um, for me, it, it sort of then is now firing on all on all cylinders. Um, so thanks guys, um, this is, uh, Legendary Green Team, uh, 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 uh Fan, Fake, and, uh, LRB joining us. Um, you can get us on Patreon, uh, if you want to, you know, throw us a few dollars, um, really, not, not no problem, you can get us on Reddit and Discord, if you discussion. Um, thanks a lot for joining everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If I have some suggestions, though, I, I recommend editing out the uh, the core conversation. Oh yeah, probably.